0: are you putting your voice out into the world? And what are you creating? The power of life and death is actually in your tongue. Today, we're going to be talking about what we're creating, what we want to create, and what happens when we actually get sidetracked and follow what the world is doing, all in the power of our voice and how we use it. I think you're going to like this episode, and I don't want you to miss a minute. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice this podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage make a bigger impact and have a voice that makes people listen presentation matters and the voice is the missing link join in and you'll see why welcome to the podcast i'm your host tracy goodwin so glad to have you with me today as always thank you for your shares and your downloads and for being
1: a subscriber and i've got a great episode for you today although You may not like to hear what I have to say today. You know, I've missed two weeks. And for that, I apologize. Had no intention
0: to miss two weeks. Certainly, never my intention.
1: I knew I would have one week off because I just recently was launching the program but I never saw what was coming the next week. I've been through a lot of natural disasters and I'm going somewhere with this because today I'm going to talk about you may be drawing in things that are not
0: working for you simply because of the words you say and how you say them. And I don't have a fancy title for this, but that's what I'm going to talk about. Because I just recently did a big research study on this, and I've not talked about it yet. I was waiting for the right moment, and this seems like the right moment. I think you're going to know what I have to say today. I think it's going to resonate with you, and I think you're probably going to be aware of it already. If you're not, this is going to be a really important episode for you today. But Back to missing last week's episode. So, I've been through a lot of natural disasters growing up. I guess I lived through three, four, maybe five hurricanes.
1: I grew up in the north side of Houston. Galveston's constantly getting hurricanes. I've been through tornadoes. I was in the blackout of 2001 in New York City. Hurricane Sandy, two weeks blacked out in my, in my quadrant. There was a small quadrant
0: in New York City that didn't have electricity for two weeks, which means no water in a building like that either. Out in California, was on red alert to evacuate at any minute because of two different fires had to reroute to my son's school for I don't even know how many months because a house slid onto Laurel Canyon Boulevard in a mudslide because the first year I was there they had record rain and flooding. So I'm no stranger to these kinds of challenges. But what I experienced in Texas this last week was definitely the hardest thing I've ever experienced as far as a natural disaster. And I don't really know why. I honestly, it was nothing new. No electric, no water. I've been
1: there before. But I sat here in my beloved state that I'm really happy to be home. And I
0: lost my power two days into the the ice and the sleet and the freezing temperature started on Saturday. By Monday morning at 3 a.m., my power was off. We had record lows of feels like minus 15. And you might be thinking, okay, what does this have to do with voice? Well, I'm getting there. And I'm not telling you any of this in a feel bad for me way. I'm setting the stage for where I'm going. Lost water the second day. So by five o'clock the first day, I had canceled my sessions, which, you know, gutted me. And I'm thinking, okay, the electric's going to come back on in a little bit. And it would come on in 20 minute increments about every five hours. It was getting very cold in my house. And by 5.30, six o'clock, five o'clock, my sister, who lives, one of my sisters who lives in this town, she had had power, her power went off in the night, and she had power come back on about 11. That morning and by five o'clock was still on. She said, I think you ought to come over here and spend the night. It's going to get cold over there. And we decided, okay, we'll load up and we'll go over to my sister's and spend the night. At least it'll be warm. So we packed everything up, got the dog loaded up. And as I was heading over there, I texted her and I said, I'm stuck at the train. I'll be there shortly. And she said, my power just went out. Well, we still went over there anyway. By the next morning, she was enrolling blackouts, which meant she would get power for a couple of hours and then it would be off for a couple of hours, like four. My water was out by this point, still no electric, no water. And she was enrolling blackouts for three days. So I was unable to teach anyone. I was unable to coach anyone because it was so unpredictable you would have electric, then you wouldn't have electric. And there was no rhyme or reason to it. Meanwhile, over at my house, no electric, no water, no anything. So I ended up staying there from my son and I and and our pup ended up staying there from Monday until Saturday. It's now Sunday. I'm recording this episode for you. This is the first day I've really been able to sit down and catch up. My electric came back on Friday. My water came back on yesterday. Now, my sister never lost water. Her electric became solid, I believe, Wednesday night or Thursday morning. I started working with people again in increments and in small increments Thursday and then just a couple of sessions on Friday because I, it was just, it was just too iffy. I didn't want to, get on a call with someone and the, the electric crashed. So we spent most of Friday afternoon trying to find food. There was no food in my town. And my sister was getting really frustrated. And so I came back home, I had electric by that time and I came home and I did a little bit of work and then I got in the car. And I guess I spent five, six, seven hours driving all over Central Texas trying to find food. And I've never had to do that before. Even Now, the pandemic in Los Angeles was was like that as well. But you weren't freezing. You didn't have no water. You could still function to a degree. And I would have to drive out of Los Angeles to get food. But it was all of it. It was all the pieces of it. Meanwhile, my other sister in Houston was without power for 80 hours. People are starting to die because they are freezing to death where I have friends in in Galveston, friends all over Texas, clients, clients in Dallas, they were fine. They had electric, they had power, but they couldn't find food. And then their pipes all burst and they got evacuated. So it's been really intense. And then I saw an interview, I guess it was Thursday or Friday night with the head of agriculture in the state of Texas. And it just gutted me the loss of animals, the loss of, there's no grain to feed the animals. There's all the things that they had to just dump because there was no electric, no water, no, no power, no anything, no heat. The chicks in the incubators that would not hatch because there was no heat. And it was really interesting to me to not have, you know been in these kinds of situations before and I didn't feel this feeling of being on the inside and not seeing what people were hearing on the outside. And when I first started sending emails to people saying, look, here's the deal. I'm going to have to reschedule. I think it's too risky. I don't have power right now. I'm at my sister's and would explain the deal. And, and people were uh, initially, everybody was great, but people were like, oh, wow, that's, that's wild. Yeah, no problem. By the end of the week, people were reaching out to me. People in New York reaching out to me saying, "Can I send you something? Do you are you getting deliveries? Can I send you food?" Because apparently, I mean even in Australia, Australia, the UK, people all over the world, I have clients all over the world were messaging me and saying, "It's horrifying what we're seeing happened in Texas." And I want to tell you, living through it, it was, it is, and it's not over yet. After I record this episode, I will get back in my car.
1: Thank goodness I found gas yesterday, and I will go in search of food again. So thank you to
0: everyone who reached out. It really, I'm one of those that struggles with asking for help, something I'm working on. But to hear from everyone and to hear the stories that you're seeing, water freezing, people turning on their water and and the water freezing coming out because their homes are so cold because we're just not built for this. We're not, it's usually 70, like our low is 70, okay? We got down to minus 15. And if you're still with
1: me, I really am getting somewhere, somewhere very important. So it's been a devastating week we're all exhausted,
0: we're all spent, we're all facing challenges that most of us really can't even wrap our mind around. There's not enough plumbers, there's not enough, we're gonna pay $1,000 electric bills this month. It it will, it's not over yet. But what gutted me about the whole thing was when I saw a, a young man, he's in Texas, and he posted a video. And like I said, I'm on the inside. I, I, don't going, I don't know what's going out via the news. We're in survival mode here. And I'm, all I know is that I'm starting to get messages from people all around the world saying, oh my gosh, are you okay? What can I do? How can I help you? And I saw a young man's video and he started off by saying, he's in Texas. He said, stop making fun of
1: us. There's a lot of you out there that are making fun of us. And it gutted me because I'm living it. And, you know, Texas kind of gets a bad rap anyway,
0: kind of like New Yorkers get a bad rap in a different kind of way. Texas is made fun of because we're supposedly so stupid and we're good old boys down here. And when he said this, I thought, surely no. And then I remembered. All the times I've seen other places have natural disasters and people make fun. And it didn't surprise me that people were making fun of Texas because East Coast or other countries or places where it gets really cold, this is no big deal. It, it's no big deal to be minus 13. I have a ton of clients in Iowa and you know that's just another February, Wednesday for them. They didn't make fun. So I'm not saying that about my people in Iowa but people on the East Coast and and other places making fun because Texas can't handle minus 15 degrees. And I never remember, I, I remember never being so proud of the state of Texas when Hurricane Harvey hit and when Hurricane Katrina hit because Texas is always one of the first groups of people or state that comes to the aid of other people, sending firefighters to California, sending firefighters to Australia. And it really broke my heart. But what it really made me realize is that I need to talk to you about a research study I just recently finished. And this is, a, this is part of it. We should never, ever make fun of anyone. You can never, ever understand where someone is coming from in, in the way that they communicate until you've walked a mile in their shoes or how they function or what they say or how they do or how they survive. But when people are dying and people are struggling and people are suffering, that is the absolute worst time to make fun of them. Because you know what? Maybe the houses on the East Coast are are in Canada or anywhere else, maybe they're built different. Maybe those people
1: are built different. But there is something called empathy that is lacking in the way we use our voices and this past year i did a research study
0: and i've i've not really talked about it i've not and i and i'm not going to talk about it in length but i want to let you know what i studied you know me i'm always researching things around voice and how we use our voice and i started noticing something about people that spew hate now they 100% believe what they are saying this is especially true in the political realm, but it's true across the board. My participants were predominantly Americans where spewing hatred is rampant. It's
1: the new way of being here. And I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean that as a fact. So I started observing a group of people that were my research participants, knowing nothing about what I was doing. I could not tell them because then they would alter what they do and I wouldn't have been able to get pure data. And I watched as half of the participants constantly talked bad about others, constantly.
0: Constant criticism, constant making fun, constant eye-rolling from the voice perspective, constant bashing, constant better than, constant negativity and judgment. And then my other group, I divided them in half after I watched I watched them all without knowing, well, I already had an inclination of what was going to happen. And then I, but I divided them because half of them spewed hatred and judgment 24 seven. The other half did not now. And and this is in public forums like social media. Now, here's the thing. I do not and cannot 100 with 100% accuracy tell you what was in the hearts of these people. It is clear from my data in the hearts of the people that spewed hatred and judgment that there is hatred and judgment within them. For the people who did not spew hatred and judgment, but everything was kind, everything was generally positive, but it was not hatred and judgment, I can't really ultimately know their hearts even when I ask them because they could potentially lie. And this is why we don't want to give our power away under any circumstances and alter how we use our voice based on what we think others are thinking, because you can never fully know what people are thinking because they can always lie. And I talk about this when I talk about tentacles out versus tentacles in. The world teaches us to be tentacles out. you just you read the room, you decide what's happening in the room and you alter who you are. I changed that to, you'd always deliver the best version of who you are and you raise the gas up and down on that version of you based on what you see, but you can never really know what people are thinking. The majority of people change their delivery because they've already decided what people are thinking. And so you you can't decide what people are thinking. And this dramatically
1: affects how you use your voice. So back to the purity of the exercise, I am assuming that the people who do not spew hatred have less angst in their
0: heart. My data on the people that do spew hatred and awful things to and about people, the data shows me almost consistently there is angst in their hearts. So where the where the, the deficit is, is in the accuracy of the people and what is in their hearts, the people that talk positively
1: to others out in the world. What are they putting out in the world from a voice and words perspective? So those were the two test groups. And, you know, I... I told,
0: I said this in a, in a group the other day, we were talking about conflict and we were talking about, well, I'm gonna say that in a minute. I'm gonna to get to that in a minute. Now, what, what I'm relating to is primarily words. What I'm talking about here is primarily words, but this relates to tone as well. The people that use a tone. I studied this as well. People that use a negative tone, a sarcastic tone, a passive aggressive tone, generally, have frustration, anger, resentment, and judgment in their hearts as well. And they generally tend to speak negatively to people and about people. So we'll have these two groups that we'll call negative and positive. All of this study came from literally a Bible
1: verse. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Which I live my life by, I try to, I am not perfect. And I, I fail frequently. There is another phrase that you've heard me talk about that's in the,
0: I think it's in the 12 and 12 book from AA. I don't think it's in the 10th. I don't think it's in the big book. I've read all those books. And it, what is the, how does it go? It's restraint. we always, always have restraint of pen and tongue. And to me, that's taken off of the Bible verse, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And I've lived by those two phrases my whole, well, not my whole life, but when I got sick and tired of spewing venom on people and spewing a tone on people and and having enough of a conscience to have to turn around and go back and go, you know what? I'm so sorry I spoke to you that way. I got sick and tired of apologizing for my mouth. And so I changed. And those two phrases were very, very instrumental in that
1: changing the tones that I use and the words that I use and how I talk to and about people. What I, what the catalyst for this research, and I know I'm kind of all over
0: the place. So thank you for staying with me because this is really important and hopefully a game changer for you. The catalyst for all of this was I start, I kept noticing. People having these catastrophic things happen to them, and they happen to be the people that constantly spewed hate about others. And I thought that's fascinating. I want to see if there is a link to power of life and death is in the tongue. Now, nobody died. I'm not saying you're going to die. I'm not projecting that you're going to die. I'm not projecting that anything horrible is going to happen to you. This was just an observation of what I'm putting out. I am possibly. Calling back in. And I saw it consistently challenges, day to day challenges in the lives of the people that were spewing hatred and venom and negativity all day long with a tone, with words, with all of those things. Can I, with 100% accuracy, say every single solitary person that spews venom is going to have bad things happen? No. Can I and am I saying that people who never spew venom are never going to have anything bad happen? No. The point of all of this, and I'm not even going to dive any further into the data, because the point of all of this is how are you using your mouth? How are you using your words? How are you using your tone? Are you using a tone when you speak to others? Are you passive aggressive? Are you punishing us with your
1: tone. Are you using hatred in your language about other people? Because there is so much power in how you talk to people and how you talk about yourself
0: and the words you use and the tones that you put out into the world. I can't even begin to explain this to you. And I think you know it. Are you a victim? Are you putting out victim words, victim tone? Are you judging others? Are you miserable? Are you, are you using tones that cause angst for people? Are you so focused on controlling the outcome because you're of your own lack of
1: worth that you're causing harm to others? Because I'm going to tell you something one phrase has the power to change how a human uses their voice. Forever.
0: That tongue lashing you gave somebody, they will remember it for the rest
1: of their life because it is powerful how we use our voice. And here's the
0: thing if you are the person that is judging, if you are the person that is not being direct, but using your tone to make a point and try to get somebody to get something, if you are spewing
1: venom on people, there's no inner freedom. You have no inner freedom. And that's
0: what what this is all about at the end of the day, is that if you are spewing judgment and tone and hatred and frustration and anger and resentment and all of those things, there is a communication issue. That tone makes you feel better. Those words make you feel better but the core issue is not what others are doing. It is your lack of inner freedom and we need to change that. So my question for you is what do you wanna create and how do you want people to feel? What if the people that were not doing the things you want them to do or that you didn't like or that went against your beliefs, what if you were able to show them empathy? What I have found when I work with people, and it it is voice work, but it is psychology of the voice work and empathy always comes up because when we use our voice and communicate with empathy, the edge to our voice becomes circular. And when we do not, the edge is angular. And it's really interesting. My new group that I'm just starting this coming week, two of them mentioned they don't like the edge to their voice. And that was exactly what they were talking about and didn't even know it. Now, I'm not saying they're not being empathetic because I don't know that yet. I don't know them well enough, but it's the difference in a circular edge and an angular edge. Like if I handed you a metal box or if I handed you a ball, what is easier to hold? Well, a ball. And so where we need to go from here is instead of making fun, instead of judging, instead of toning people, which I've got several episodes on tone, instead of doing all of that, maybe we need to lean into empathy. And it's not even just for our own inner freedom. It is to potentially help that person who we are so frustrated with because they are potentially frustrated and have no internal freedom as well. Then you've got the byproduct of calling in something different. Now, again, like I said, don't take this episode so literal that I'm saying, if you spew venom, you're going to have bad things happen to you. And if you don't, you won't, because that's not true. The age-old question is why do bad things happen to good people, right? But, it was very interesting to see this data consistently show me something. And I will continue to work on this data. I will continue to research this. But at the end of the day, it's about inner freedom and how do you want to make people feel? What do you want to create? Do you get sick and tired of going back and saying, you know what, I shouldn't have said that. You know what, I shouldn't have said it that way? Do you get sick and tired of the way people communicate to you? Well, guess what? It is our job to teach people how to communicate with us. And you know what? The thought leader, the politician, the the guy online that you don't even know, you have no control over. You have no control over anything really. When it comes to communication, you cannot control the outcome, but we can be an example. We can teach people how to communicate with us. We can create our own inner freedom by directly saying what it is we need to say with a neutral tone to not put the other person on edge, to not make the other person attack us. And you know what? If they do, that is about them. And we have to embrace that as well. We cannot change people, but we can change how we use our voices in the world. And if one by one, and you know, you might be sitting there thinking, okay, Tracy's on Pollyanna roll today. No, but I believe that we work in a reactionary place vocally. Somebody says something we don't like and we spew some venom because of our own frustration, our own angst. And then we've got this perpetual cycle going and and then everybody starts doing it because if they're doing it, I'm going to do it. And water seeks its own level vocally. So when somebody
1: spews at you, your most powerful course of action to lean in to empathy. Push does not beget pull. So, how are you using your voice? What are you creating? What are you calling in? That's what I want you to look at. I want you to look at this week. What are you putting out?
0: And what is going on inside that is driving
1: the words and tone you put out. Because we need to change this. Because hatred and judgment and
0: anger and tone and tongue lashing and hostility
1: from a voice perspective is the world I live in and want to change. One phrase before you are five years old determines a lot. The studies I've done on how people use their voice, the studies I've done on voice and
0: criminality, the studies I've done on voice and success, the studies I've done now on what we're calling in with the power of our tongue, meaning words and tone, has created a sense of urgency in me that I want to share with you because I want you to help me spread this message. I want you to help people find the inner freedom that you're finding by listening to this podcast. So I want you to think about that and and take these questions and ask the people that are giving you the hardest time. Ask the people that are spewing venom. Ask the people, if you know them, if you don't know them, you, you
1: know, there's only so much you can do. But that's what I want you to think about this week. I'm a Texan and Texans are strong and they're tough and resilient, just like so many people
0: around the world that have faced so many hardships, not only because of natural
1: disasters, but because of the pandemic and because of everything else in between. Think about how you want to change the world and what you want to help create with the power of your tongue. And I look forward
0: to being back on track with you because that means I consistently have electricity. So that's it for today. Hope you have a great week. And until I see you next time, you know what to do. Get out there and speak your truth. Just do it beautifully. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at captivatetheroom.com and be sure to grab the voice formula a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this
1: episode, please leave a review on iTunes.